This is Double Truck Stories, the home for some of the best features, investigations, and character portraits from across ESPN. I'm Justin Ellis. College football is a sport that loves traditions. The old coaches, from Bear Bryant to Bo Schembechler, are still very much alive on the campuses of Alabama and Michigan today, as they were in the era when they roamed the sidelines. Things like bitter rivalries and decadent tailgates, they all make college football more than just a game that's played on Saturdays. And that list also includes the Waffle House. Depending on where you're from, or at least where you're listening to this, Waffle House is either a known quantity or a curiosity. Their yellow signs are as unmistakable as the food and the hospitality. Just just saying this right now, I'm getting hungry thinking about waffles and smothered and covered hash browns. There's about 95 Waffle House restaurants in close proximity to 14 SEC schools. There's also many in ACC territory as well. The Waffle House and college football, it seems, have what you could call a long-term relationship. In today's show, Dave Wilson takes us to Waffle Country, spending time in Athens, Georgia, and Auburn, Alabama, to find out why college football fans have such a deep connection to the small diners that, as Dave writes, never close and never change. But before we get into it, a little bit of housekeeping. If you like Double Truck Stories, do us a quick favor and subscribe to the show wherever it is you listen to all your favorite podcasts. Join me after the story as Dave and I talk about what it's like to spend game day in a Waffle House. And now, here's Is This Heaven? No, It's a Waffle House, written by Dave Wilson. Is This Heaven? No, It's a Waffle House, by Dave Wilson. It's a fall Saturday morning in Auburn, Alabama, a couple hours before the Tigers' 11 a.m. kickoff against Ole Miss, and the Auburn family has come to get whole. Amid entire generations decked out in bright orange and dark blue, in Cam Newton jerseys and striped polos, Amy Beth Presnell says she was whispered to by the Almighty. We were just walking up toward the stadium, and it was like God was telling me to come in here. Amy Beth is here because, like all the others, she grew up coming here. It's parents' weekend, so young and old come together to relive old memories and hear about new ones. They stand in line to get in, but they've come this far, and they know the wait is all part of the game day experience. This Waffle House in Auburn is a healthy 15-minute walk from Jordan-Hare Stadium, but like other locations across the South, it is an important first stop for many college football fans, a religious experience that is not to be missed. I feel like I'm in heaven, Presnell says. I'm at a Waffle House in Auburn, and there's no elephants in here. There are elephants, Alabama fans, in here. She just doesn't know it. They're in a lot of Waffle Houses this morning. After all, there's no business that has a more symbiotic relationship with college football fans of every stripe than the Waffle House, the small diners that never close and never change. Around Atlanta, the capital of college football, there are more than 350. Their familiar monospaced yellow signs serve as mile markers on the roadways. 
Presno, 64, a retired nurse with a thick accent and a flair for dramatic delivery, continues her sermon. Lord, I've got it bad. I want to be a greeter at the Waffle House, but my husband won't let me. Over at another Waffle House in Athens, Georgia, Hannah Skinner understands the gravitational pull of the place. Her mom has worked for the Waffle House for nearly 25 years. Her sister and brother work there. When Hannah turned 16, she didn't even apply. She just started working and stayed, other than a brief dalliance with the Olive Garden, which she now regrets. She's 24 and a unit manager, running a store downtown behind the Georgia Theater. The syrup, she says, gets in your veins. Joe Rogers and Tom Forkner, neighbors in the Atlanta suburb of Avondale Estates, started the Waffle House in 1955 in hopes of providing a 24-hour sit-down restaurant for the area. They soon focused on waffles, because it was the most profitable of their original 16 menu items. It was the highest profit item you could do, so I said, Call it Waffle House and encourage people to eat waffles, Rogers told the Associated Press back in 2005. He also wanted to make it clear at first glance that it wasn't a fast-food drive through You can't carry out waffles, Rogers said. They get pretty flimsy, so we thought, Waffle House will work. Rogers and Forkner both died this year, just a little more than a month apart. But they saw their tiny diner transform into a southern icon that has 1,900 restaurants in 25 states. SEC country is waffle country, with 95 restaurants in proximity to the 14 SEC schools, save for poor Ole Miss and Texas A&M, which don't have one. We have a lot of great fans there that love Waffle House, but we'll get there eventually, company spokesman Pat Warner says. There are also locations in 11 of the 14 ACC towns, missing only the northern cities of Pittsburgh, Boston, and Syracuse. The company doesn't advertise, instead relying on those small, yellow Waffle House squares that appear on nearly every major highway exit sign. Between Atlanta and Auburn, there's one where the Allen Jackson Highway gives way to the Lewis Grizzard Highway. No longer relegated to the side of the road, a Waffle House food truck passes by on the way from Atlanta to Athens for one of the company's increasingly popular catering events. Both South Carolina and Auburn have had the Waffle House catered spring events for players, including Auburn quarterback Jarrett Stidham slinging waffles from the truck. The chain is also the standard of resolute reliability. Waffle House is famously used as a bellwether by FEMA to determine how well an area is recovering after a natural disaster, based on the status of its always-open restaurants. During Hurricane Irma, 157 Waffle Houses were closed on September 11th. By September 13th, all but six were open again. The company has generators and jump teams, with visiting workers dispatched from their location to the affected areas to feed customers and spell local employees taking care of families. Regardless of anything else going on, they all stay open unless everything else has to close, said Trevor Daniel, 24, a Georgia fan from Atlanta. We lost our power. The first thing we did is go to the Waffle House. They were open. Their power's out, but they had a power outage menu. I basically got my same order. In 2015, the Waffle House added serious culinary cred on the CNN show Parts Unknown. Host and chef Anthony Bourdain, a distinguished alumnus of the Culinary Institute, 
almost 100 miles from the nearest Waffle House, declared it better than the French Laundry. It's an irony-free zone where everything is beautiful and nothing hurts, he said. It's warm, yellow glow, a beacon of hope and salvation, inviting the hungry, the lost, the seriously hammered all across the South to come inside, a place of safety and nourishment. Those waffles the founders wanted to move? In 2015, they sold their billionth. The company claims to be the world's leading seller of waffles, of course, but it also claims that title in ham, pork chops, grits, and T-bone steaks. The Waffle House serves 2% of all the eggs in America every year. The open kitchen allows customers to see the entire process, from the food out of the refrigerator to the order being shouted to the bacon hitting the grill. It's nostalgia in a way, said John Mall of Chicago while visiting his daughter Haley at Auburn and taking in his second Waffle House visit in 12 hours to make up for the lack of them at home. It's a slice of America that still exists. It's comforting to come here and see that. If you look around, everybody's happy. It's a good bet that most of those folks will be within arm's length of the chain's bestseller, personalized hash browns. The shredded potatoes are scattered on the grill and can be ordered in any combination, including smothered, with onions, covered, cheese, chunked, ham, diced, grilled tomatoes, peppered, jalapenos, capped, mushrooms, topped, chili, or country, sausage gravy. The brave can go with all of the above. There's no goat cheese and garlic here, said Blake Tanner, an area vice president. Just straight up eaten. Although the number of restaurants has exploded, the tried-and-true shoebox design of the stores, standard since 1962, hasn't really changed, except for local flourishes in college towns. At Waffle House number 1189 on Epps Bridge Road in Athens, there's a giant bulldog on the side, with George's G logo centered on top of a waffle and awnings that add, Go Dogs! The Waffle House closest to LSU shares a building with a bar. It's Louisiana, you know, Warner said. It makes it convenient for people. There's an Auburn logo in bricks in front of number 1882 on West Glen Avenue in Auburn. And Bo over the top, the iconic photo of Bo Jackson diving over Alabama defenders in the 1982 Iron Bowl victory, hangs over a booth where Tigers coach Gus Malzahn typically has a celebratory omelet after Auburn victories. It becomes his post-game tradition because he's treated like Gus instead of like Coach Malzahn, Warner said. He just comes in and waits in line like everyone else. The overall lack of pretense means whether you're the Auburn coach or a Georgia fan, you're just one of the masses waiting for a spot. The booths seat four people. They don't budge. Neither do the stools at the high counter facing the grill. Nobody gets special treatment or cuts the line or can put tables together. Groups split up. Opposing fans are squeezed in together. New friends are made. I've been to Waffle House in Tuscaloosa. I've been to Waffle House in Auburn, said Patrick Ward while sporting a Nick Chubb jersey. They're the same. They're always welcoming. His friend Trevor Daniel agreed. They're very supportive of their local team, but they don't reject people. Ward, 23, Daniel, 24, and Nick Oshinsky, 23, were in a celebratory mood at about 11 p.m. Saturday night in Athens after Georgia's 53-28 dismantling of Missouri. 
and they provided a perfect window into the late-night Waffle House experience. Ward, we are big foodies. There's a lot of options in Athens. Oshinsky, we are big foodies. Don't think we don't know our food because we're at Waffle House. Ward, when you've had a couple of libations, Waffle House is the first thought that goes through your head. Only good things came from Waffle House on a game day. Daniel, Waffle House is on my level. It's not beneath me. Daniel, if you're uppity, you won't eat Waffle House. Oshinsky, I wouldn't want to be friends with someone who didn't eat Waffle House. Daniel, if you think you're above Waffle House, I don't want to know you. Does impression of a fancy voice. All I eat is eggs benedict. Gestures, spills his water. I just didn't like that water. Ward, I'd be lying if I said that wasn't the hundredth time that's happened at the Waffle House. Oshinsky, it's not a Waffle House visit if you didn't spill something. Our waitress is the nicest woman I've ever met. She'll probably be happy she gets the opportunity to help with that. That southern hospitality is a trademark of the company. Fans have come to expect the sameness of the traditional retro diner feel and food because employees put a premium on preparing for a volatile 24-7 crowd. It's all about football and the holidays for us, said John Tyndall, a district manager in Athens. Come August, you better be ready. Brenda Smith, known as BB on her name tag, has worked for Waffle House for 20 years. She tried to leave once, but claims she flunked retirement. She was a single mom who raised two daughters who work for Waffle House now, including Katie, who works alongside her mom in Athens. Together, they've been through the all-important football seasons for six years. Everything steps up, Brenda said. You can feel it in the air. You know how it feels when Christmas is coming? That's what it feels like. No one knows that feeling more than Kenny Flowers, a unit manager in Auburn. Two years ago, he was a six-foot-one, 243-pound linebacker for the Tigers. Now he runs a crew feeding the same fans who cheered for him. After I graduated here, I got recruited to the Waffle House, he said. I love being here. I love the fans and the people who come here for Waffle House and Auburn football. Flowers still looks to be in playing shape, cutting an imposing figure in the kitchen. Where name tags list job titles, Flowers reads SEC champ in a throwback to Auburn's 2013 team. Some people just come here to talk football with me, he said. It's cool to be here on campus where I played. Usually I have to give multiple reports after the football games. The company has a playbook for employees that is used to teach its service philosophy. The Waffle House Way, a manual created in 1955, has been updated to address modern changes such as tattoos and cell phones. There's also a play-calling component. When employees stand and call out each order to the grill operators, they use a fascinating code called the MARC system. Using accoutrements such as jelly packets, mayonnaise packets, pickles, cheese, and hash brown pieces, grill operators are told what orders go on which plates. A jelly packet at the bottom of the plate signifies scrambled eggs. Raisin toast is signified by a packet of apple butter. A mustard packet facing up means a pork chop. Face down means country ham. A pat of butter is a T-bone, and its place on the plate determines how the steak is cooked, from well done at the top to rare at the bottom. 
Team sports kind of prepare you for the Waffle House, said Greg Bright, Waffle House's director of people operations and a former Georgia linebacker who is still second on the Bulldogs' career tackles list. It's kind of scary a little bit, the parallels. On a daily basis, you're coaching people and developing people. As part of his job, Bright helps recruit and retain employees, people such as Flowers and Smith. He isn't surprised so many families have multiple members working at his restaurants. Is it any different from Kirby Smart, Bright said, using the Georgia coach to explain growing into your parents' profession. I grew up playing rec sports against Kirby. His dad was the coach at Bainbridge High School, and Kirby was always around it. Kirby grew up with football all his life, so that's what he gravitates toward. Georgia fan Buck Jewell, 67, interrupts his report on this year's bumper peanut crop to say he has been attending dogs games since 1980. The people are why he comes back to a Waffle House after each one. This lady takes care of us, Miss Jeanette, he says, gesturing to Jeanette Savage, who has worked at the Waffle House for 35 years. Gliding by on the way to another table, she nods and replies, Your food's coming, baby. Jewel, sitting with his 64-year-old brother-in-law, Skip Mathis, is on his second Waffle House meal of the day. Eggs over medium, hash browns, country ham in the morning. Eggs over medium, hash browns, steak at night. Just depends on how you're feeling, he says. Back in Auburn, Destiny Jameson and Gabrina Ruff aren't feeling so great. The Ole Miss Juniors from Tough Haven, Mississippi, made a five-hour drive to Auburn and are the first fans to retreat to comfort food after leaving the game early. It's only halftime, and the Rebels are losing 35-3. to They go into a conversation about what a disappointment the Rebels have been and how they're going to need time to rebuild. The two say they decided they needed something to make the trip worthwhile. They needed to get something they couldn't get back in Oxford. Just come to Waffle House, Jameson says. It'll make it better. Welcome back. That was Is This Heaven? No, It's Waffle House by Dave Wilson. Dave Wilson is here with me in the studio. Dave, how you doing today? Doing fine. Doing well. <laughs> you are doing uh, great. Um, Superman does good. You do well. Wait, I think that was the joke Tracy Moore, Tracy Jordan had on 30 Rock. Um, let's talk about Waffle House. Yes, let's. <laughs> As if we don't frequently. <laughs> this is true. Dave and I have the uh, the distinction of uh, being pod mates. I don't know what we call that here. So there's often a lot of um, fast food talk. So this is not going to be any different from it, from what normally happens. No. Uh, I will try not to invoke steak and shake, uh, but I can't promise that. So Waffle House, how, how did a story like this start? Like this is something for ESPN that is definitely more sports adjacent. This isn't necessarily sort of all, you know, stick and ball stuff. So how did this uh, story begin? Well, I grew up in Texas. I was a, uh, you know, a pretty big diehard college football fan growing up. Um, and I just appreciate the culture of college football, the things that go along to it. Some of my favorite things are the places you run into people the day after a game or the Sunday morning, you know, where you run into opposing fans. And it's always a, you know, it's usually a really, you know, uh, 
I don't know. It's a it's a lighthearted. You trade barbs, or you sort of congratulate the other guys. But I uh, I've always appreciated the places where fans sort of cross over, and where you find uh, these sort of like minded fans. And you know, I was a big Waffle House fan. The fact that they're uh, cheap and always open is very uh, <laughs> something I've always appreciated. Um, and so I've I've talked about this for a long time. You know, when I was in college. Um, in Texas, I wanted to just do 24 hours there and just because I think um, it's a place where, you know, people say everybody's got a story um, when you hang out of the Waffle House at the hours you generally hang out with the Waffle House in college. Yes. You hear a lot of these stories. Absolutely. Um, and I always thought that would be that would just be a blast to try to just do that and hear the stories. Just just telegraph the stories you hear. Um, never really did it. And it's been done a lot. So um it was just another thing here. Right? I just said, you know, people, I don't know. It was a cultural story for me. Like, I don't know that the rest of the country knows how how frequently people do this, especially on football weekends. So I just said, you know, you know, let me go hang out and see see what happens. And, uh, you know, I was really happy with uh, the result, and I, I was not forced at all. Yeah. I mean, and that was the thing that was interesting about this, like, to be clear, like, the Waffle House sort of college football relationship is one that in this case is, is very much regional is very much conference. You know, like it's not like there's a Waffle House story for like PAC 12 schools or right. something like that. Um, although this does make me wonder like, what is the Waffle House equivalent for PAC 12 schools? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, everybody's got their thing. It's like in this case, it's just, it happens to be a place with 1900 locations. So they're, they flood the zone, especially in the South. They're very focused on, dominating the footprint they already have. So they're not necessarily um, looking to expand. They are, you know, they do they do spread out quite a bit. I think they're in 25 states. Um, but, you know, there's 350 in Atlanta alone. Um, so it's just like they're every corner. And um, it's very – and in these college towns, they actually, uh, you know, put on – Put on a lot of uh, local flavor in their restaurants, and everybody wears Auburn hats in Auburn, and they all there's Georgia stuff all over the Georgia place, and so they they make it a point to sort of I don't think it's pandering. I just think they yeah. say you know like uh, to be a little outpost. And I think when you travel and you go to um, opposing towns, you know it's a place where you can go to, um, and you're going to get the same experience. So I don't know. I think there are there are definitely places. You know, I mean. We always went to Whataburger in Texas, and there's the same in and out in California when I lived there. Um, the 24-hour places, for sure. But it just seems like this is one that in college football circles where people really, really love college football, um, that there is a lot of concentration. So one of the things you point out in this story, though, is that it seems like Waffle House does a certain amount to encourage this kind of relationship, even to the point where there's former football players that work at restaurants and then certain shops even though Waffle House is known for being um, the same, as you were just saying, you know, market to market, that in some cases they do tweak it uh, depending on sort of what teams or fandom is there. So it sounds like to a certain degree they definitely try to encourage this this relationship. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's – I don't know how conscious it is. I know I talked to Greg Bright, who's their uh, – what they call the director of people operations. <laughs> um, he's in charge of, you know uh, – retaining managers, uh, recruiting, things like that. And he's still the all-time second on the all-time leading uh, tackles list at Georgia with like 450-something tackles. Um, uh, he went straight 
from Georgia to he tried out for the Cowboys and didn't make it. And he came back home and weighed his offers and decided to go work for the Waffle House. And he said his, you know, he he described uh, not being able to explain the look on his mom's face, <laughs> but he's never left and he loves it there. And, uh, you know, he, his point was, well, you know, team sports really prepares you for this. It's the same concept. Um, and in their case, especially Saturdays in the fall are where they, you know, they, they said in these SEC towns that they'll do 40% more business on a football Saturday than they do on regular Saturdays through the rest of the year. Ooh, I believe so, this. So it's, it's, uh, it's probably a lot of the same. I mean, you know, I, Kenny Flowers is a guy who played at Auburn a few years ago, two years ago, I guess. Um, and he went straight to work for the Waffle House. He runs the, um, he's the unit manager of uh, one right uh, about a mile from the stadium, a couple of miles from the stadium. And he, uh, you know, he said the same thing, that they recruited him there, and he likes just working with the team and, and talking to fans, and it's kind of the same concept. So staying with Waffle House for a second, um, as in the, the corporation, the people, the religion, whatever we want to call this, but um, in talking to them about this piece, you know, what kind of access were they open for? Like, how excited were they for this piece? Basically, you know, did they sort of throw open their arms and say, come on down and let's do this? Or were there any roadblocks? No, no roadblocks. I mean, they just sort of said, yeah, you know, here's some ones. I told them I was interested in Auburn because it's where, you know, it's kind of the tried and tested story of where Gus Malzahn goes after Auburn wins. Yeah. And I thought, well, that'd be cool to see that. Um, and I told them, um, you know, I thought it would be good to go to another town, another college town. Um, and so Athens made sense because it was sort of the, the other direction, about the same distance from Atlanta. And uh, so they were like, yeah, well, here's a, here's the locations, you know, we could, this one might be better because people would be coming into town at this time of day. But here's the one downtown where people are being going to at night. They just sort of said, here's the ones that do the business. Um, and then, you know, there was no, I mean, there were people around, there were managers around, but we just kind of had free reign. Uh, Kevin Lyles, the photographer, um, and I could just wander through the kitchen, wander in the back. I made waffles. Um, you know, there was no, uh, uh, they were, there was no, uh, I don't know. There was, it was just sort of like, come, come see what it is. Yeah. You know, there was no worry about, you know, the, there's a lot of, uh, you've seen, there's plenty of videos online of what happens at waffle houses late at night. Yes. Um, the company's stance has always been, well, if you have 1,900 restaurants that are open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, there are going to be things that happen there. Weird, weird things are going to happen. Kid Rock's going to start a fight with somebody. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was no, it was just sort of like, yeah, we know our people, we know our company, come on down and come through. see what you, see what you find. Quick aside, how easy or difficult was it to make that waffle? Uh, it was, so it depends. There's different waffle makers. Um, <laughs> This was an older one, the one I, the first one I tried, and it, uh, they could stick a little bit, so you got to really be on it. It was pretty easy though, but yeah. you know they're they're doing a bunch of them. They said, uh, you know, on an average Saturday they'll sell the equivalent of uh, you know, that forty percent uptick is equivalent to five hundred more waffles on a Saturday than they would normally do. So oh it gets God. pretty pretty heavy, and it's there's a mad dash in the mornings, and there's yeah. a mad dash after the game, and then during the game it's just dead in there. So we could sort of have our run of the place. You ended up eating a lot of Waffle House, I'm going to guess, during this. I had uh, Mike Spence report was pretty <laughs> was pretty entertaining. Uh, you know, I wasn't doing a lot of uh, – there weren't a lot of steakhouses or uh, 
things. A lot of uh, a lot of different seven dollars Waffle House meals. <laughs> And also, uh, there was uh, a fried corn everything. Is yeah, that correct? There was fried corn everything in Atlanta. <laughs> Tremendous. Uh, jumping back to the sort of the reporting for this, though, as you said in the beginning, you know, this sort of an idea you had back in college of just going and observing. Did you have a plan for reporting this, or you just basically wanted to go and follow your instincts? No, I mean, it was a, it was to go sit and talk to strangers in a Waffle House. I mean. Something my wife gets annoyed that I do anyway. <laughs> so, uh, actually, uh, one of the editors here was we were talking about it, and they finally said, You know, we let's try to do it, let's see what happens. And then we were talking about different writers, and I know you know several of our writers would have would have been great at this. And then finally, somebody said, Um, you know, if we just need someone to just go randomly talk to people in a Waffle House, like why wouldn't it be let's you? get Wilson? And I think it was probably the nicest thing anybody's ever said to me. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh Dave. I mean, it is true. So, uh, so no, that was it. It was just the plan was to go. You know, actually, um, the Auburn plan changed pretty quickly because Gus did not come mm-hmm. after the game, which was, uh, uh, I've been told, a rarity. So I don't know exactly why that was. But um, so, but it's okay. I mean, that had been kind of played out anyway. So right. I wasn't that worried about that. But in general, I just kind of wanted to go see what it was. I didn't know exactly if people were going to be like, why, you know, why are you doing this? But in general, every time I would sit down with somebody and I'd say, hey, I'm doing a story about the Waffle House for ESPN, people would be like, oh, that's awesome. Like, it's the greatest place. Why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. Um, there were a couple of people, a couple of, uh, you know, usually college, the college students would be like, like, why are you talking to me right now? Um, and I'd say, like, what made you come to the Waffle House? And they'd be like, well, because we like the Waffle House. And so, so what we can say is millennials are the worst. <laughs> I was just thinking if I just wanted to be completely – owned by teenagers i could have stayed home this weekend and hung out with my own kids <laughs> um but it feels like you know from the quotes that there's so many money quotes in this story like it feels like there's some definitely there's some genuine love for this place you know the syrup gets in your veins and one of my favorites was the manager that was just you know there's no there's no blue cheese there's no was it garlic or something he's like it's yeah. just straight up eaten like <laughs> yeah i mean that's there's not a lot of uh pretense in the waffle house so there were a lot of people the only uh actually everyone i talked to was fantastic there's only one one guy who gave me any grief and it was a he was a vols fan so i understood he was angry uh and uh they weren't they didn't quite understand why i would be there or, or talking to them as all entire family but that was after the game it was late at night a few few beers but other than that everyone was just like they're they're evangelists for this place i mean it's the same way people are for a band they like um, so it was not hard. I mean, it was a lot of fun, actually. I generally just just hung out and just talked to people. And then when the games were slow or when the games were going on, there's no TVs in there either. So uh, there's sort of word of mouth, you know, phone. People check their phones and pass it around. Right. But it was just talking to people. Uh, I, I was completely blown away by how many people had family members working there, either on the shift with them or – had grown up with it. It was really, uh, it was really interesting. What other things developed as part of that reporting? Because that was one of the things that was really interesting, as you just mentioned, that it that there are families that sort of come into the Waffle House, and next thing you know, there's another generation and another generation. What other parts of this story developed after you did the reporting? Um, well, I think that was part of it. I I was sort of, you know, I, I, the people genuinely seemed to be having fun. Um, I think after I was there 
six hours. I don't think they were putting on a show for me. I think they were, you know, there's 10 or 12 people crammed into this tiny kitchen and they're all bouncing stuff around and having a good time. And, and, uh, I didn't see anybody that would ever lose it or get mad about anything. Right. Um, I was kind of in, infatuated with their system they used to call out orders and then they played them. And I talked about that in the story, how they use a, you know, a packet of butter to signify a T-bone steak or a packet of jelly to signify scrambled eggs. And if you turn it over, that means, you know, dry toast. You know, there's this really, you know, it's kind of like a little bit of country genius in there of <laughs> uh, just using mayonnaise and uh, jelly packets to uh, to plate things and not – and they just – that's how they keep moving things quickly. Uh, that was definitely one thing I was blown away by. The family thing was definitely one thing that I, I had no idea. And it there was a 74-year-old man named Willie working the third shift in, in Athens who – um, said, I said, well, how long have you been here? And he said, a year. And I said, at 73, you decided to go get a job at working the door at the Waffle House on the third shift? And he said, no, 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 my my wife works here. She's worked here a long time. And I'd, at night, I'd be at home and I would worry about her and I wouldn't be able to sleep. So I would get up and just come up here and hang out with her. And, uh, and inevitably, I would start helping and clean up. And, and finally, you know, the manager said, you know, you're not doing this for free anymore. We're putting you on the payroll. Oh my god. So he goodness. said, you know, I just work the door and I try to put a smile on people's faces and I try to and he was great at, you know, mediating table disputes or sorting out things and I just kind of watched him work, but there's a lot of that. I mean, uh I had two different people tell me when they turned 16, they just they just started working. They didn't they didn't have to apply anything. Their mom worked there and they wanted to work there, so they just came in and they started. Yeah. Yeah. The so the story goes out into the world. Um and what's the response been like? Well, I was, you know, I was hopeful that it would hit the nerve of the fans that I talked to in the places, the people that were very passionate about it. And yeah. it, it really did seem to resonate. It took off. Um, you know, there's the occasional, this guy wrote 5,000 words on the Waffle House. It's only, <laughs> only 2,400. Uh, Thanks, uh, Twitter. Uh, there was, uh, uh, but people were, people were telling their stories. You know, I got a lot of tweets about, you know, this is where I went on the first day with my wife or... Um, I, I, an A&M fan tweeted that, you know, you always worry how, what it's going to be like in places when you go to another town. And after A&M, A&M beat, uh, Alabama in that Manziel miracle 2012 game, they were all wearing A&M gear and they went to the Waffle House. They were a little nervous and the entire staff gave them a standing ovation and took pictures with them and stuff. Wow. Um, there were a lot of cool stories like that. Um, you know, Southern living actually did a post on the, uh, on the plating system that I thought found so fascinating. I was like, wow, you know, finally all these years later I made it into Southern Living. <laughs> Waffle House is making dreams come true. Um, I feel like I have to ask you, though, like what is your go-to Waffle House order? I go for definitely my favorite is the cheese cheese eggs, the scrambled eggs with cheese. Mm-hmm. with, uh, mm-hmm. And that comes with raisin toast. Um, and uh, uh, my, my pal Brooklyn in Athens told me the trick is not to get the raisin toast toasted but instead to get it buttered and griddled and it was it was life-changing so i appreciate <laughs> appreciate that inside tip from brooklyn but that's always been my favorite um but obviously i got to try a bunch of different things so yeah i would kind of leave it to to folks i was hanging out with say tell me what i should try and inevitably they all said you, you got to get the chicken the chicken's incredible and i'd never thought about getting the chicken at waffle house I've never had chicken and it was really house. good yeah um so there was a lot of uh you know there were like the photographer kevin 
eats much healthier than I do. And they made him like this grilled mushrooms and onions bowl with with chicken and stuff, and it was it was really good. But uh, yeah, I I actually did not eat a waffle while I was there, which I kind of looking back on, I was like, what you know? How did I? How was that such a egregious oversight? I'm disappointed in I you. Know. When it comes to the hash browns, though, like, come on, covered, smothered, chunked, like, what do you, where are you at on that? I like uh, covered and chunked with the ham, um, but, you know, I have no judgment on anyone any way they do it. Just, <laughs> I don't understand the plane no. or the people that get them uh, where they're in the little ring, where they're a solid thing, where they're not scattered, and that I don't get at all. You're wasting it's your like time. like a little puck. You're wasting your time and all the yeah. resources of the Waffle House. Dave Wilson... This has been a fantastic conversation. What is your next uh, college sports-related food epic? Is there something perhaps about White Castle that we should be digging into or Taco John? Ooh, that's a tough question. I don't know. <laughs> I'm wide open. So I'm, I'm, I'm always out there looking. So. <laughs> Dave Wilson is ESPN's Galloping Gourmet. Uh, I mean, technically, you are the – you are the, the, the do we call you the culinary editor at the no, magazine? no. <laughs> Food editor's fine. I don't need to in a culinary. I don't need to dress it up any more than it is. <laughs> Dave Wilson, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. For this story and more, you can go to ESPN.com slash double truck. That's all one word. You can also read Dave's story on Waffle House in the November 13th issue of ESPN the magazine as well as in the ESPN app. This episode was created by the team at ESPN Audio and produced by Michael Ravier. The Double Truck team includes Ryan Graner, Rick Santos, Jenna Janovey, and Eric Neal. As always, uh, we'd appreciate it if you could subscribe to Double Truck Stories on whatever podcast platform you uh, prefer. One quick announcement. This is my last episode as host of Double Truck Stories. I'll be moving on to some new opportunities in the world of late night TV, which means sadly saying goodbye to ESPN, my home of the last two years. I'd like to thank the Double Truck team for the great opportunity that has been hosting this show and all of you for listening to our stories. Uh, Don't worry, the show will be back soon with uh, more narratives from here at ESPN. So make sure to stick around. I'm Justin Ellis. And thank you for listening.